Hello all, and welcome to Brewing with Jim, hosted by Jim Brewington. Jim is a pastor and a teacher, and has served in these roles for the past 45 years. He has worked in small churches and megachurches, primarily as a teacher serving both the hearing and the deaf population. We have surveyed the students here at CVCS and do our best to create a genuine conversation around the talking points the students want to know most about. Thank you all for listening and taking time to brew on Life's Questions with Jim. Hello all and welcome back to Brewing with Jim. This is your producer, Grady Sanchez, and as always, I am here with Jim. Hi, everybody. Uh, Thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening, and we're going to start off the day with an excellent question coming in from our high school students. On a campus where students want to evangelize and do their best to spread the gospel, what are some of the best practices to talk to God with others? Wow. Okay. Um, Spread the gospel. First of all, um, there needs to be a distinction, I think, between am I spreading the word of God or am I spreading the gospel? They're not the same thing. The Word of God, of course, includes 66 books of truth uh, and is uh, long and lengthy, although the best book I've ever read is the Bible. Uh, I've read it more than once. Spreading the gospel, um, the gospel means good news. And the good news is that you are no longer uh, enslaved by your rebellion uh, against God and his expressed will. Uh, the gospel is a word that some non-believers don't understand, and so uh, an efficient way to spread the good news is to use a language that the people will understand. But I think the best way to uh, spread the gospel is to know the gospel. The best way to talk about uh, the Bible is to know the Bible. Life's more interesting if you know what's going on. Learn the Bible. If you learn the Bible, you're going to be able to see what's going on or understand what's going on. Evangelism is a word that means uh, just talk about the gospel. That's all it means. Uh, It has the word angel in it. And the word angel means messenger. So evangelize is to be a messenger uh, of the gospel to other people. Now, I think... Let's take a look at what our goal is here. Do we want to spread the word to large groups of people, or do we want to spread the word to one individual at a time, one-on-one? Uh, and both, I think, are, are common. Both are, can be effective, uh, although while we are the affect, the Holy Spirit takes care of the effect of what happens inside the person who receives uh, what we show and what we say to them. Um, that's what evangelism is. Now, there are some people I have heard Christians say, oh, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Well, evangelism is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the individual. It is, Ephesians tells us in in chapter 4, that it's a gift to the church, and the church is all Christians. So we all have the mandate to talk to other people about the gospel. Whether we have the motivation or not is different. Whether we have the skill to do it is a little bit different. Uh, Some people who want to hit the masses 
uh, use techniques that are not Jim Brewington, uh, that I wouldn't use. I would not uh, sit um, behind home plate with a rainbow afro uh, wig and a sign holding up that says John 316. That's just not my style. <clears throat> Could the Holy Spirit use that? Yes, of course he can. But choose what is the way that you would want to do this. Do you want to preach to stadiums full of people? There are some people who do that. I'm sure the Holy Spirit uses that to affect people. Um, Billy Graham did that. And he did it uh, in a humble way, but he did it with thousands coming into the kingdom of God. I tend more to be one-on-one. Um, -on -one. Now, you can distribute the pamphlets if you want to. You can talk to people with pamphlet information and bumper sticker theology. Uh, but again, uh, I prefer affecting people one-on-one. -on -one. And if I do that, if you want to do that, which I think is the place to start, do it first of all by listening to the person who is going to be receiving what you say. What are their needs what, as they see them? Their need is that they have Christ in their life and that they have all their uh, rebellions against God forgiven, past, present, and future, that they have uh, a purpose for their life right now, and they have a home in heaven uh, in, in the future. That's their need. But listen to what they think their needs are. What is their resistance to hearing the gospel? What are their doubts? What uh, are their objections to the gospel? I would ask that and just listen. After that, we can address those objections. Doubts? Fine. I have doubts too. If you didn't have doubts, you wouldn't need faith. So uh, the doubts are okay. The doubts are, are fine. The needs are to be into the kingdom of God and to be in his family. Uh, many people, I think, are not a Christian because they've met one. And so when we're talking to a person, uh, that person is not a project. We are not used car salesmen trying to cram something down somebody's throat. We uh, talk to them motivated by love for them, by uh, putting ourselves in their shoes. And we have been there. All of us have been in the non-believing shoes. Uh, understand uh, them with compassion, and they will notice that. They will see that. They will understand that, and that will open up their mind and their heart to receive what it is that you're going to tell them. I think um, that if you feel you're short on Bible knowledge and short on apologetics, just talk about how your life has changed since you have given yourself to our Savior. And then, uh, then you will discover that the Holy Spirit can use you uh, without an advanced degree in theology and without uh, a thorough Bible knowledge and a lifetime of learning God's Word. Now, I'm not against advanced degrees in theology. 
I am not about against using uh, what is available in the knowledge of theology. I think that will help you uh, to evangelize, but don't wait for that to happen before you start. I would avoid, when talking to them, especially about their objections, I would avoid peripheral doctrines, methods of baptism, and uh, types of worship, and um, things that um, are of interest to Christians. Should I dance? Should I not dance? What, are, uh, what about marriage? What about divorce? What, stay away from that completely at this point. Because at this point, we're just trying to develop a friendship between that person and Jesus. And that's a way to approach. You have a friendship. He is your creator. He loves you, but he wants to be your friend. He is the magnificent, omnipotent, potentate and creator of the universe. But he can ride in your car with you and help you find a parking space. That's... Uh, easily to promote friendship. Very few people uh, would deny that they want a friend, a close friend, a good friend, a confident uh, friend. Now, I think it's important that you, you as I'm talking to the listeners now, <laughs> that you understand what happened on the cross. There, are, I have a teaching. I call it Seven Salvific Successes of the Cross. And you can learn the theological terms, imputation of righteousness and um, substitute atonement and justification and sanctification and so forth. But it's not necessary for you to be fluent in those areas. I think it is necessary for you to be understanding of all those concepts so that when you receive questions, you will be ready with an answer. to them. Let me take one example. Uh, propitiation. That was, that's one of the seven successes of the cross that is salvific. The Bible says that there is one mediator between God and man, the same Christ Jesus, and he is the propitiation for our sins. Well, what does that even mean? And is it important to know what that is? And the answer is yes. Propitiation is anything that deflects heat. When astronauts go into space, uh, or unmanned rockets even, that are going to return to Earth, when either one of those comes back into the atmosphere, the heat is so strong that it will destroy the, the vessel that's coming back. So there's a cap that's put on them made of uh, a material that can deflect heat. It's called the propitiatory cap, and it deflects the heat away from the vessel so that the vessel is not burned. Christ is the propitiation for our sins. He deflects the wrath of God away from us because we have rebelled against him, and Christ does that. Well, now, how do I put that into words that a person that I'm talking to who doesn't know the Lord would understand? Uh, they, have, they understand that they have done some things that are probably not pleasing to God. But they may, they may think, well, I don't think God wants me and his family is mad at me. 
he's mad at me. Don't confuse wrath with anger. It's not the same thing. This is not a temper tantrum in aisle three. This is uh, God's natural nature to uh, react to the unholy. And that wrath that could come our way by uh, rejection of us is, as adopted people into his family is deflected away from us and as though it's not even there. And God's arms are open wide to receive us because of the propitiation of Christ. Okay, put that into some words. Understand the concept, not the theological explanation necessarily, and be able to give that to someone who is concerned that I think I'm not good enough to be in God's kingdom. Well, you're good enough now because he declares you to be, because he has taken care of that on the cross. I want everyone to understand that evangelism, uh, unlike, as I referenced before, is not like uh, selling a car where you have to close the deal. You don't have to close the deal. Maybe your job in evangelism is just to plant the seed. Just plant the seed and give somebody something to think about. You don't have to get to the so-called sinner's prayer at the end where he prays to be uh, in the kingdom and I accept you and now I'm a Christian. Plant the seed. Somebody else will come along and water it. Somebody else will come along and feed it. Somebody else will come along and answer the questions that the person might have. And then perhaps... um, then perhaps someone will come along and close the deal. Now, um, I hadn't thought about that before this very minute, but I spent years teaching uh, Bible studies at a church on Sunday morning. And one time I was in front of a group of people, and a man I had never seen before came in and sat down with his arms akimbo crossed, and with a defiant look on his face as I'm here to challenge you is how I read his facial expression. And he sat there uh, with a, a cynical look with a uh, prove it to me what you're saying. And he was there for about six weeks, uh, once a week for six weeks. And I really, although I had a couple of cordial hellos and nice to see you, I'm glad you're here. Uh, there was nothing that came back to me. End of story, he went away, and I didn't see him again. Six or seven months later, the phone on the nightstand next to my bed rang, and I picked it up at 2 or 2.30 or 3 in the morning, and it was that man. And he was in another state, another town, and he was crying, and he said, I just considered now what you said to me, and I want to be a Christian. I want to come in. Tell me what I have to do now. And I prayed with him. Uh, And by the way, the prayer is important, but the prayer isn't salvific. If somebody wants to be in the kingdom, they're already saved. God hears that. They don't need my prompting and my spiel to get them into the kingdom. They're there already. But I prayed with him. And um, he thanked me, and we ended the conversation and hung up, and I have never seen him since, and that was years ago. Well, what happened? I didn't efficiently evangelize with him from my viewpoint, 
But apparently, and or from his, but apparently the Holy Spirit did something with him and brought him to tears and brought him into the kingdom. All right, to summarize my response to this question about how do I effectively spread the word of God, I think that was the word was used was efficiently. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it efficiently. Good enough is going to be good enough because the Holy Spirit will make it efficient. He's the one that brings the people uh, to Christ. Uh, the Bible says that no one comes to Jesus, his words himself, no one comes to me unless the Father draws him. Well, let the Father do his work. Jesus said, and then I will raise him up. Let the, let the second person of the Godhead raise him up, and then the Holy Spirit will indwell him or encompass him, if you will. And uh, you're just the tool. You're just the willing tool. So get started. Talk to people. Show them love. Show them why your life is different now that you have come into the kingdom. Uh, And just give it a go. If you don't do a good job, fine. Who cares? It's your heart that God sees. And it's your heart that I think the person who's listening to you will see too. Well said. I learned so much from all of these things and in my own training and in my own life kind of are reassured in in those things that you have spoken. So thank you for your insight. One of the things that um, kind of comes across with my family and one of the conversations I had last night with my wife was, hey, I'm in this social setting. I'm in this social group. I coach baseball outside of my time here at CVCS. Um, We have high school kids who play on X number of baseball teams or volleyball teams, and they like a person. They they genuinely like somebody else on their team. And then they seek, like, I would like them to know Jesus. Or my wife is in her workout group, and she's like, I really like this person. I want to know if they know Jesus. What are maybe some of the first steps, maybe an idea to get them started along that path in growing that relationship with that person and maybe introducing them to Jesus? I think, first of all, the way to um, understand the, or the way to approach somebody, uh, maybe here at school, maybe on an athletic team, is to put yourself in their shoes because you have been in their shoes. And their situation is, uh, is dire. They are living without Christ in, a, in an environment, a spiritual environment, in a physical environment, in a social environment that will lead to death. That's serious. They, uh, the result of the rebellion against God's expressed will is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but I think the way I said it the first time might be better received in, by modern man. And so you have... Um, a cure. He has cancer, and you have a cure for cancer. Wouldn't you give him the cure for cancer? Well, I just don't feel comfortable doing that. It's not about your comfort. It's about your desire to save him, to get in there and give him the cure for what is going to lead to death, and now it will lead to life. Now, I, my personal uh, way of approaching people is through friendship. I, there's a thing called friendship evangelism, 
Uh, I don't develop the friendship for the goal of evangelism. It's not a tool for me. I don't have an ulterior motive for wanting to be your friend. I want to be your friend. And in that friendship, we learn to trust each other. We learn to care for each other. We learn to think about the other person. And we learn to listen to each other. And in time, uh, he will see me uh, behave, react, think, and probably sin if he's with me long enough, but then realize that my sin is forgiven and I don't have to walk around feeling guilty. Uh, that was taken care of on the cross. Now, do you have time to do that with everybody? No, not really, but that's one method of, you mentioned the team, you mentioned the teammates, you mentioned the people here at the school. I would develop a friendship and accept them the way they are right now and then uh, see how that environment of friendship will uh, provide a place for you to efficiently <laughs> evangelize. Um, one last question before uh, we wrap up for the day. I get a lot of college applications and letters of recommendations for colleges. In my financial algebra class at the beginning of the year, we played a Dave Ramsey documentary that talked about student loans and maybe the best course of actions for what students should be taking. In your experience of education and in my experience of education and in our own lives, um, what insight do you have for those students who are sending in applications to big-time universities, junior colleges, trade schools? What, what is something helpful that a student might come away in this time of application? Well, sometimes I uh, receive questions about should I go to a community college uh, and then transfer to a four-year college? Should I uh, go to a trade school instead? Uh, that decision is ultimately going to be up to them. I've been in a lot of schools. Uh, I, uh, I graduated from high school. Yeah, hey. And uh, I went to two universities, and I uh, went to a couple of schools in the Navy, uh, Officer Candidate School, and I went to Cryptology School, where I learned how to code and decode and so forth. Um, I was in Harvard Law, and um, don't be too impressed. I was just on the campus and went in there to use the men's room, but <laughs> I was in there for a while. Okay, I've been in all these schools. I have never been to a trade school, really, except maybe the Navy schools. I know that there are uh, thousands and probably millions, I've heard statistically, of trade school jobs that are available, people looking for skilled people to be in those jobs. And some of them uh, pay six figures. You, you can make a good, good living. Uh, in a trade school, somebody has to change the tires on a 747, and you don't just get some guy off the street to do that. So you can go to um, mechanics, uh, air, airplane mechanic school, and graduate from that, and you'll have a job immediately because people will, who need those workers will come and get you. Should I go to a, a community college? I worked in a community college for 20 to 25 years as an interpreter, educational interpreter. I sat in the classes. Uh, if you 
consider all those years and the years I was in college. I have 35 years of college, but I didn't listen the whole time I was interpreting. Uh, I was working with language units unless there was something interesting that came up, and then I turned on the part of my brain that listened. I have been in community college, and I am a big, big fan, avid fan of community college. They're less expensive. They're get free your, now. They're free, really. Yeah. Get your uh, general education uh, done, and then tra- get, that gives you also time to think about what do I want to do with my life, and what major should I choose, and then transfer to a four-year college. Objections I'm hearing from some people, well, then I wouldn't have the college experience. Well, what is the college experience? Alcohol, sex, fraternities, sororities. What, figure out what the college experience is uh, and what you might be missing. Uh, most of it is dispensable. And get there for an education. Uh, I am for education. Uh, I've been uneducated, and I've been educated. And educated is more fun. You get more jokes. It's, I would rather, uh, th- there's value in my life from the education. You don't have to have schooling to have the education uh, if you are motivated to be a lifelong learner. So um, college applications, I think it's important to uh, do what you have to do in high school to have an attractive college uh, application. But I am told, I can't verify the statistic, but I am told that people who look at college applications uh, by the reams at their desk, uh, average time they spend looking at them, 30 seconds. And they look to see what the grades are, what the GPA is. I hear some look at what uh, community service has been performed. And then you go into a pile of rejection, maybe acceptance. And I would do what I have to do to be able to fill out those applications and submit transcripts that make that uh, make them attractive to the people who, who will make the decisions about admission. But I'm not sure that uh, I would throw out community uh, trade schools. I would not. You can be a full apostle of Christ and be a tent maker. Paul did that, and he did it while he was ministering. Uh, so I, in short, that's my, my counsel, although many disagree. Go to a community college. Decide what it is you want to study. And don't force yourself to make a decision right now while you're in high school. You don't have to make those decisions yet. Uh, I wanted to be a TV cameraman after I got through being, uh, I want to be a fireman, I want to be, all these things that you want to be when you're a kid. Give yourself enough time to examine yourself and see how God made you and what your calling is and go uh, for that. Really well said. Um, My own personal journey through college applications, high school, I ended up going the athletic route, so I got athletic an athletic scholarship to play baseball, so mine was a little bit different, and then I got my master's in education. But when it came down to it, it was, let me take time. Let me want to be where I want to go. I'm not looking for necessarily that college experience. It was how can the university serve me, and how can I serve the university? And it was kind of a relationship, and it was a single one-off choice and there was a lot of prayer and there was a lot of patience and there was there was quite a few schools to choose from yes and 
from the documentary that I had mentioned uh, from Dave Ramsey, the junior, the junior college education has risen. And mm-hmm. the prices for state schools and for private school universities has risen. Mm-hmm. So the, ed- the education level of junior college has risen. Meanwhile, the price on the other two options has risen. So it all comes down to what is the best fit for you and what is going to serve the purpose of your life, what's your focus, and how can, how can you seek wise counsel and make the best decision for yourself in, the, in, in that stretch of life? Very good. I uh, am a compulsive writer. I write articles on different subjects that come to my mind, and I have many of them. And most of the questions that we have received, I've written an article about, including how do I, um, how do I pick a college to go to. And um, that's another podcast. That's another show, perhaps. Um, but what we've said about going forward, um, please heed it. Please decide what it is that's going to be more efficient for you. And, uh, and then decide you're in charge of your own education mm-hmm. and seek it. Awesome. Thank you, Jim, for your time. Thank you for your thoughts. Thank you for your insight. Thank you all for listening to Brewing with Jim and taking time to brew on Life's Questions with Jim. (laughs) Please uh, send an email, send your questions to brewingwithjim at gmail.com, and we'd be happy to interact with you. Indeed. Thank you. For me, too. Topics covered and answers offered in Brewing with Jim mine the wisdom attained from a life of pastoral ministry and care. They do not constitute professional or clinical training or expertise in the areas of counseling or mental health. CVCS and its podcast network want to provide a platform for the discipleship of our community. Brewing with Jim is our attempt to foster that environment in a format that is accessible and open for all to partake in. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the speaker's own and may or may not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of Capistrano Valley Christian Schools or its faculty. The material and information presented here are for general information purposes only. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.